welcome to the Skeptic and the Mystic podcast. Your hosts, Heather and Deb, will dive into a little bit of the mystical, some of the spiritual, quite a lot of the unconventional, and we'll do it all with a healthy dose of skepticism. So if you know that you're holding yourself back, there are places in your life where you could be doing more of what you want to do. Tune in, stick with us. We'll help you move past some of that skepticism and disbelief and open yourself up to some new ideas and ways to begin living the life that you truly want starting today. Hello, everybody. It's Heather and Deb here, and this is The Skeptic and the Mystic, and we are back after a little hiatus um, where Deb was traveling in Spain. I moved into a new location. So we're back, getting settled back in, and today we're going to be talking about how not to experience seasonal affect disorder this winter. So you guys can, if you're watching this, you might be able to see that my background behind me, there's a window behind me, is pitch black. (laughs) And it is 739 right now. (laughs) I just want to crawl into bed. And I'm in, yeah, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Deb is in Arizona. Where again are you in Arizona? I forget. I'm actually in Phoenix. Um, yeah. I live in a little town called Alatuki, but it's it's a suburb of Phoenix. Um, we are currently at 5:39 p.m. So now Arizona's the. I think there's probably one other little portion of like Illinois or someplace that doesn't turn the clocks, but in Arizona we don't do daylight savings time. So I am now two hours away from the East Coast, one hour away from the West Coast. Um, previously, we were three hours apart. So still have some sunlight here, but my days are shorter too. The sun will set. I mean, it drops fast. It does. I think by like, you know, probably by the time we're done, we might notice a change in my window. <laughs> yeah. So I just learned that there's a there's a um, a reservation in Arizona, like an Indian reservation, that is within an Indian reservation. And one of them does do the time change and one doesn't. So they were saying that like, if you drive through it, essentially you pass through like six, you can pass through like six different time zones. Like, because if you imagine it a circle, right? And you, because then you have to drive. So you're one time zone and then it does. I forget the way, like- Is it in Northern Arizona? I have no idea. Huh, I didn't know that. And yeah. I've lived here for 18 or 19 years now. I've never heard that. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. And maybe the person told me it's full of shit, but. <laughs> <laughs> it could be because I've never heard that. But right. I think in the, like in the four corners, because, um, you know, you kind of get like there's four states that connect in one little corner. And obviously we change. The others don't. Like, I think there's a space there where you can kind of, you know, yeah. twirl around the clock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so confusing. So now, like you know, heading into the winter months, which are hibernation months, like when we think about it in terms of nature, right? It's just all about hibernation. And and everything has seasons, obviously, like even our, our lives have seasons where we, you know, we wake up and it's spring, like, you know, you're newborn and you're like child and it's like spring life. And then you get in teenage years and that's where like, you're fiery and that's summertime, right? And then you get into like your adulthood and that's the autumn time where you're like reaping all the things that you harvest. And then your older years are the hibernation years, you know, where you start to, you slow down. And some people tend to put on weight, which isn't always the worst thing in the world, right? Because a super skinny grandma is not that fun. (laughs) (laughs) Put on a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
a little bit, not a lot. There's a big difference. Um, and, and, and we can see that in our days too, right? You wake up and you're like ready to get going. And then you have the middle of the day, which is the summertime, you're fire, you're working. And then as the day goes on, it's like, okay, you start to unwind, right? Fall and you're just winding up the day, reaping what you harvested. And then nighttime, it's the, okay, I've just got to go within and, and hibernate and rest. And then you wake up and do it all again. Yeah. Many, many cycles in our lives. <laughs> right. right. And when we can understand that and work with our cycles, it's so much easier. But when we're like, damn you, you know, winter, like that creates havoc on us. And this whole daylight savings thing, I mean, we all know that it's such a, you know, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is absolutely. Like, I thought we were talking about doing away with it as a whole. I mm -hmm. have heard that too. I've heard that too. Rumor. Because it's later this year than it historically has been, I believe. So, you know, this, we didn't plan on talking this, but I want to read this to you because I thought this was so fascinating. I did not know this at all. I have to find this. Um, give me a second. Um, who was it by? I, I saw this post on Instagram and I was like, I had no idea um, that this was actually a thing. Um, so, okay. So they say daylight savings time it says we all learned daylight savings time was created for farmers. This is what we learned in school, right? That's what I always was told that it was, right? Yeah. It says, but mm -hmm. that's why daylight savings time was first enacted in World War One to conserve the energy people use for artificial lighting during the war. Daylight savings times was made universal in the U.S. in World War Two under Roosevelt. Farmers lobbied against the daylight saving time both times. In 1986, daylight savings was extended from six months to seven months after congressional hearings where barbecue and golf manufacturers told Congress that daylight saving time provided 200 million and 100 million more in sales, respectively. In 2005, daylight savings time was extended from seven months to eight months to include Halloween after extensive lobbying by the candy. Right? Really? <laughs> Right? She says- Is it really eight months? So in four months we switch back? Um, it would be, I yeah, don't I know. Guess I guess I always assumed it was kind of half and half, but- Yeah. Huh. I mean, I feel like I shouldn't be at all shocked, really. Um, right. This is entirely plausible, this this reasoning. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. Yeah. So it says, our time, our circadian rhythm, our daily flow shouldn't be for sale. The farmers who lived closest to the land didn't need a shift in time. Their relationship was built on the rhythm of the seasons, not the dictates of industry. We know that daylight savings times comes with increased risk of mental health issues, stroke, and heart attack. Our rhythm is dictated by the dance between the sun, the moon, and the seasons. Removal from the greater ecosystem will never benefit us. It only benefits the profits over people model that runs our society. Which I think is a great lead-in. I don't know why I didn't think about sharing that before, but it's a great lead-in to what we we're talking about because, I mean, so much of our lives is manufactured by, <laughs> by corporations, and I'm not, you know, anti-capitalism at all. I think you know, there's there's great things when we have opportunities for things, but when we start screwing with nature, like it definitely impacts us. And so many people this time of year experience things like sadness moodiness depression lack of energy hopelessness and then just isolating themselves which further increases sadness depression you know then suicidal ideation 
oh, it's depressing. <laughs> it is. It is. I have, a, I mean, obviously we're going to dive into a lot of different things. Um, at some point I want to touch on some of that is also our resistance to embracing darkness as, you know, the shadow as a, a metaphor for our dark sides. Right. So I think we're going to, we'll talk about some true practical strategies um, for maintaining your health and your, your mood and that sort of thing. But at the same time, I would invite anybody listening to reflect on how can you embrace some of those so-called lower moods or opportunities to go within, right? And, yeah. and really see some of those kind of icky, sticky parts of ourselves, right? Yeah. yeah. And some of the, the icky, I mean, let's just hang out there and let's start with the like, you know, mystical, you know, woo-woo stuff first, right? Is that when you're in, when, when we're afraid to go into the dark, right? Like we're typically afraid of what we'll see in the dark. Mm -hmm. And there are retreats that people go to where they're, they're darkness retreats, where they will go and cut off all light, you know, for typically, I think they're about like 10 days, right? And so as you do that, all of your other senses come into play, but it fucks with your mind, right? Yeah. As you're adjusting because all of a sudden- Do they not even get exposure to daylight? No. That's extreme. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've yeah. not heard of that. Oh yeah. And, um, I have to, I know, um, Aubrey Marcus talks about it and this was like maybe a year or so ago, he went and did one and I've heard other people talk about them. Hmm. And, um, there's a place in Germany, I think that it is where they do that. And basically they just kind of come and bring you your food. So imagine like you're like trying to eat in the dark. I mean, we're talking pitch black dark, like I'm going to try to control my German bias and <laughs> I say this because I work with a lot of Germans. I say it with love. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I could be wrong where it is. It's somewhere in Europe. But, um, you know, the whole idea is to really, like, get rid of all distractions, right? And to dive into your internal world. Yeah. It's like, who am I, right? When there's nothing else, who am I here in the dark? And I love that you brought up that point because it is so, like... <sighs> most of us run from that. Right. Right. There's value in it. There's value in, in, well, there's value in any time you can embrace discomfort of any sort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So embracing the dark instead of, I mean, I'm like, Oh, like I'm complaining every day. I'm like, now I got to get my dog out of like four forty-five, you know, which I can't always do. And now we're, standing in the cemetery my knows me like we play in the cemetery because it's a 70 acre cemetery i just learned 70 acres we did a 5k in it the other day it was the first annual 5k in it there's so much fascinating history in the cemetery but now we're standing in the cemetery at dark you know and we're just like okay like it just doesn't even phase me anymore i know people are like that's so spooky but it's like you're just hanging out here you know it's spooky if you choose to make it spooky right yeah. um so it, you know, it's like, okay, we just got to, you have to adjust your whole entire life, you know, but if it's like, oh, how can I make this fun? How can I make this enjoyable mm -hmm. you know, instead of cursing it? That is such a big thing. And that, that kind of goes over to like the mindfulness um, category that we'll talk about, but really like, what is it about the dark that you are, um, are, are wanting to avoid? Right. It's a great, you know, great question and great way, to, great, great thing to think about, right? Yeah. 
So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know for me from a practical standpoint, cause I'm, I go to bed early anyway. Um, but once the sun goes down and we'll talk about the strategies, but one of my things I've always practiced drives my daughter absolutely insane. I don't turn bright lights on when the sun goes down. Like I have those bulbs that I can adjust to whatever setting and I have them on super dim once the sun sets because I am trying to maintain my, you know, there's hormone sleep hormones and we'll touch on some of that stuff. Um, but when the sun is down, I mean, it's getting dark here, six o'clock. I can barely make it to like eight and I'm like, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's okay. So then the, the practical, you know, first practical thing that is, is light therapy and, you know, light therapy is essentially getting a, you can get these light boxes that mimic, they're like 20 to 30 times more than indoor lights. And that helps to get your body to like, basically to wake up. And, and if you can do this first thing in the morning and get out and get sunlight, first sunlight directly in the eye i've been hearing a lot more about that even without sunglasses without a window 10 minutes and you'll like you know i think they say what before 10 a.m if you can get direct sunlight before 10 a.m you'll see the most benefits with that Yeah, that's why I'm so excited because where I moved, I have an east-facing window and an east-facing balcony. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can go outside and sit out there and get some sun. And I can be tan all year round now because I'm on the eighth floor and it's warm up here. Like it was 67 outside earlier and it was 75 inside because I got so much heat coming in, right? But like being able to just get outside and to get the sun on your face, which I know is not feasible, like possible for everybody. That's why getting a light box is Mm -hmm. really beneficial because then you can get up in the morning and just put it on your face. Like literally this is where you can incorporate meditation. Like you put the light box on, you know, sit up and you're just put on a meditation and do that for 10 minutes, right? So you're feeling- This is different than red light therapy. Yes, what you're speaking of? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and another thing too with light therapy um, is to, if, if it's possible at all possible, is to put your desk or your working station right near a window so that you can get as much sunlight as possible. Okay. Unless then, you live in Arizona because you'll cook. <laughs> yes. yes. It's here. I mean, here it's so it's we're, you know, partway into November, November 8th, that's the time that we're recording this. And I still am running air conditioning in my house. Like really? I have to, yeah, yeah. I was like in my kitchen, I have sun comes in directly in the afternoon. I was making my lunch late today, like at two. And I had to close all the blinds because I was getting like toasted by the sun as I was trying to also cook. Oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh, <laughs> it's kind of brutal. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there to where we can turn off the AC and open the windows. But Nice. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's what I anticipate in the summertime here. I mean, I'm loving it in the winter, you know, the fall and the winter, but in the summertime, I'm like, it's going to be a heat box in here. Yeah. But yeah. Um, So, you know, getting yourself into as much sun as possible um, and then working with the circadian rhythm. The circadian rhythm is is basically the cycle of the seasons. Like all of our, I'm going to show this chart, which probably will not show up well, Um, but you can see that each of the different organs have different times, you know, when they're at their peak and, you know, when they need to regenerate. And so um, 
when when we're having challenges in our in our lives and our health it's helpful to look at the circadian rhythm and where the organs and see because if you're seeing the same problem at the same time over and over it's typically because one of those organs is like basically in distress right and needs some help so if you're one of the easiest ones and most common things i hear people talk about is that they wake up every morning like between one and three they're like i yes. just wake up right and that's your liver right and your liver is attempting to it's, it basically is like the janitor right, of your body and wants to clean out stuff and if you've eaten before you went to bed if you drank alcohol before you've gone to bed right now your body is trying to digest and your liver can't do its job mm -hmm. so being able like staying with the circadian rhythm and going into one of the things that you had talked about deb before we jumped on is as about eating so you're going to talk about eating like touching on eating and what's helpful for people in yeah this yeah this i this is something that i knew um just ex, you know um what's the word i'm looking for not experientially but um anecdotally for myself i knew this before this science that there's so much um research now in science around I like to call it um, time-restricted feeding or intermittent fasting, whatever you want to call it. Um, but specifically, um, not eating within at least two, preferably three hours of sleep, um, which at this time of year, um, in most places, depending on where you live, it's almost easier to just say not eating once the sun sets. Um, obviously, depending on when your bedtime is, but allowing yourself that two to three hours um, so that your blood sugar can regulate again, so that your systems can actually go into that repair and rest mode. Mm -hmm. um, and then your sleep is not interrupted and you're doing so much more effective house cleaning, essentially. Like think about your cells are sweeping out all the BS. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's that's challenging for a lot of people and it's depend upon your culture and stuff like that. Heather and I are both joking, I think before we got on the air that, you know, it's awfully easy when you don't have a social life. But <laughs> for me, what that means is I try not to, um, and most times it's not so, so difficult for me to stick to. I try not to eat past like 6 p.m., which means I have to push all my meals so that I eat my dinner at like five, sometimes six. Um, but for me, I've just noticed my sleep is significantly impacted if I eat yeah. too close to going to bed. Yeah. So when you can start finding that benefit and then see where that all, you know, trickles out into your mood and your alertness and all of that, it becomes a little easier to maintain that. But um, yeah. And I will say this is a big one that most people do not realize. I was talking to a neighbor the other day and she was like, oh, I'm just so exhausted. It was in the morning. And I, I was like, well, did you eat or drink before you went to bed? She's like, oh yeah, all the time, of course. And I was like, well, you're, what happens is your body, it's like an office building where the janitor comes in to clean out you know, overnight, but people were like, oh no, I'm staying and working late. I gotta get all this work done. So the janitor can't come in and clear out stuff. And so then people come the next morning and they're like, why is it so messy in here? Right. It's the janitor's like, I couldn't do my job because you, know, you were too busy being in here. And so, she was like, that's really a thing. And I was like, yes, and this there's is so important. much science. Right. On it. A quick right. Google, you can find a million podcasts that will give you so much solid information. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would just say as, as with anything like this that we recommend experiment for yourself. And the flip yeah. side of that is, um, try not to eat. Um, try, sorry, I just got a text. I didn't turn off my notifications. Um, try not to eat within or yeah at least within an hour of waking. So like 
once you wake up, do not eat for at least an hour. I don't know too many people that have a hard time with that. Most people I know don't like to eat right first thing in the morning. But um, again, that works better with your circadian rhythms and systems. And in fact, if you can even delay your first meal longer than that, you'll continue that little house cleaning. Your little janitor can keep working. Yeah. <laughs> and that allows, like, everything that we're talking about are things that you want to do to help your body be more resilient, right? Because at the end of the day, like, when it gets dark, it is easy for your body to go, oh, like, and just wilt. And you do want to follow the rhythms of the sun and, you know, go to bed when the sun starts to go down. Well, not when it starts to go down, but when the sun goes down, right, start start winding down. It's just like if you go camping, you know, people say this all the time. They're like, oh, I'm such a night person. And if you go camping, maybe, you know, you need a little bit of time to wind. And if you don't bring electronics with you, you know, camping, right, it is so natural that when the sun goes down, you know, you may sit around the campfire, but within a short time, you're like, oh, I want to go to bed. And then the sun comes up, you're like, oh, I want to get up. So all the people who think like, oh, I'm just a night person or just like this, it's no, you're addicted to artificial light, right? And you haven't, you know, you haven't taken time to train your body and to listen to your body to what it really needs. Yeah. And there are some people who truly are like, you know, just like vampires and not, I'm not being serious. Of course. Yeah. Or if you work shift work or, I mean, there's, there's some real life implications where maybe that doesn't work out for you. Right. Um, and in which case work with some artificial light to shift that timing and you know what you can you can do that but um you know the simplest solutions are to go back to the roots really like i feel like we say this no matter what we're talking about we're like go back to nature go back to how nature does it because nature always has the answer <laughs> always yeah and i want to um it's just about what we were saying about eating celeste um she's like i love this information she said i started eating at 11 and between 11 and started eating at 11 and 4 p.m. And I've noticed my body does much better. Mm -hmm. it, it takes time. It takes time to train yourself to that if you are used to eating all the time when you're awake. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm no expert on this. I just have played with it a lot and I've learned, you know, I've, I've taken in a bunch of research because I'm a nerd for it, but um, you slowly start to shrink your eating window. And then there's, there is such thing as too short. So right. I'm not giving medical advice, not a doctor, nobody right. sue me, but, um, you know, just, just play with that and experiment with yourself. But I would say for any of those experiments with food, you've got to give yourself time to realize the benefits. It's not going to be like for two days you do this and you're like, eh, it didn't work for me. You didn't give it enough time. You know, and a lot of times people, I hear people say this, they're like, well, I hate going to bed hungry. You know, I, I, I can't sleep if I'm hungry. Your body will adjust though. And, um, Another trick that I heard recently and um, have started playing with for myself, um, water with Himalayan sea salt, um, and which I've always done, but there's, um, again, there's an Andrew Huberman podcast that he talks a lot about this. He talks a lot about this in several of his podcasts, but um, it changes the blood volume and helps with that blood sugar regulation so that it kind of like tells your body like we're, we're digesting. Um, and, and it will, it'll, um, God, I can't find my words today, but it'll help you not feel hungry. There's yeah. a word I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. Um, it'll regulate your appetite right. and you might have to just go to bed fucking hungry for a few nights. <laughs> You'll get used to it. Yeah. We're not going yeah, to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say as somebody who struggled with, uh, pre-diabetes for a long time in her life. And I was the person I was like, if I didn't eat every two hours, I was like, I'm going to kill somebody. Well, I wasn't eating real food, right? 
now the amount that if I look at like my food diary now, if I were to keep one, the amount that I eat now seems so small. Like I really don't eat that much, but I'm generally, my blood sugar is like absolutely fine. It's only when I eat crap that my blood sugar starts to tank and you get that hangry kind of thing. And you're like, oh my gosh, I have to eat. Right. But when you're again, going back to nature, eating real whole foods, and your body is going to balance itself out and it's going to wake up feeling energized because it's like, oh, I wasn't so busy digesting, you know, all of my stuff. So then you can get up and get your face in the sunlight, you know, because the sun's coming up earlier. And um, maybe not reach directly for a cup of coffee. I mean, I feel like we're going to go into like, I feel we're, we're being a little preachy, but notice those things. Notice where you're you know, if you find that you have to drink coffee all day long, to keep yourself awake. Are you really curious why you aren't sleeping? Right. You know, I mean, they go hand in hand. You think you're tired and you need the caffeine, but you also aren't sleeping because you're over, you're taxing your system with so much caffeine. Well, <laughs> yeah. So the other day, and I'm sure, I don't know if he listens to this, but my boyfriend, we were, um, there's a 7-Eleven right by my building. And um, I think it was like a Saturday morning or something and or Sunday something. And, and we got up and he's like, oh, I want to go get a coffee. I'm like, okay. I don't, I've never drank coffee in my life. It's not a judgment thing. It's just that I am so sensitive to everything and it just doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. It comes out with a coffee in one hand and a blueberry muffin in the other. And, you know, having trouble. <laughs> well, to keep it are you ready for your crash? Right. I was like, so when you're tired later, just remember that this is why, because your coffee, you're telling yourself, Hey, give me energy. And with this white flowered sugar laden blueberry donut or muffin, you're basically saying, Hey, I want you to, to, to like make me rest. And so your body's like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like I'm so confused here. And so you wonder why you can't sleep well. Like, you know, he has trouble sleeping. I'm like, this is why, like your poor body is so confused, so yeah. confused. So yeah. anyway, so well, okay. So then that- We'll get off our soapboxes. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, was the other point we want to we'll add on to it. So light therapy and then healthy nutrition, right? And so things like having dark leafy greens, you know, even dark chocolate in small amounts, right? Like dark chocolate, not milk chocolate, right? In, in high levels, like, like 90, 85% cacao type of thing. Quality chocolate. Yeah. Eating fish, nuts and seeds, avocados are a great source of fats. And then, um, supplements, vitamin D is a big one, especially time this time of year. Most people are, um, immune, immunocompromised, right? Have, have very weak immune systems, partly because they're not getting vitamin D inside of them. And when you're not getting out in the sunshine, you need to take a supplement. And so getting a good quality vitamin D supplement is super, super huge. Um, mm -hmm. Turmeric is also really good as well. So you can sprinkle that on stuff. Um, but then the other thing, um, and this is like, when I say these things, it's like, oh, these are things for everything. Like if you have depression, do these things. <laughs> if you have anxiety, do these things, right? Because they're all basic, like- Generally speaking, a healthy diet is not going to make anything you're suffering with worse. <laughs> no, no. Neither is getting good sleep, neither is hydration. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and so the other one would be movement. Like find a form of movement that works for you. There's no one, just like there's no one right diet for everybody, there's no one right exercise for everybody, yeah. right? So like, you know, people are like, well, you have to go running. You have to go like, it, you may not. Like yoga could be a better form of exercise for you. 
or something like Qigong or Tai Chi, where it's slow, deliberate movement might be the best thing for you because your mind might be racing all the time and you need that to help calm it down. Or you might have a slower metabolism than you do and running would be good for you, right? But yeah. finding something to help increase your serotonin levels so that- and if you live in a place with seasons too, um, take advantage of that to explore new sports outside. You know, I, that's one thing I live in a, you know, I live in a desert and also a landlocked state. So my opportunities to enjoy water and used to be a like avid snowboarder um, that's stuff I don't have anymore. But when you live in a place that ha you have access to that, take advantage of what's there for you because that really is like a mood booster in itself, right? Yeah. And I will say, I've, I've never played this, but my parents are super into pickleball. And apparently it's like one of the fastest growing sports. It is a raging, like seriously, every, like I keep hearing about it and I'm like, but I hear about it in older people. I'm like, I'm not pickleball age. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and that's what I used to say to my mom too. Like when I was doing a couple of years ago when I was doing aerial and she was like, you need to start playing pickleball. I'm like, one, don't tell me what I need to do. Two, I'm like, I'm an aerialist. I'm not playing pickleball. I'm not old yet. <laughs> and she's like, Heather, it's not for old people. She's like, I have pro players who are 20, who are 26 years old. And I'm like, okay, well, but they just moved into a, um, a retirement community, like a 55 and older community. And it literally, one of the reasons why they moved there is because it's a brand new community and they're, they're building like the largest pickleball court, like court areas of like any retirement community. There's like 40 some courts that are just dedicated, like just pickleball courts. Right. Um, There's a park down the road for me that has like 10 of them now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's huge. There's like leagues and like, yeah, but I don't know. And here's the thing. It's like, okay, if these, you know, a lot of older people can do it, right. Then there's, then there's something to it, right. That it's getting them out there and moving and stuff. So if an older person can do it, you know, if you're in your twenties and you're like, I can't exercise, stop it. Just yeah. Stop well, it. and also <laughs> I would say the, um, the double benefit you get with that is the social interaction, yes. which is also very good for this topic we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 So movement and yeah. So then let's go into that. Like, let's talk about the social part of that because most people tend to isolate this time of year mm -hmm. and isolation can be a really great thing. If you're willing to sit with yourself and be with yourself and, and just like enjoy yourself, isolating for the sake of like avoiding is a whole different thing. Right. So being intentional about creating community this time of year is huge. Mm -hmm. And you, I don't know about, you know, other people, but I, I, I'm pretty grinchy when it comes to this time of year, meaning I hate it. I really hate all, like all the disruption in schedule. Like I just am not a fan of the holidays <laughs> at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of want to like hibernate because I just, it's just too much for me. Right? But being intentional about having friends over, going and seeing people to the level that supports your ability to do, to right. socialize. You don't have to say yes to everything. Okay. And don't say no to everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, boundaries, this is, you know, we, we talk about boundaries a lot, but I think that's an important thing when you're talking about that aspect of this year, because I mean, there's, it, there's a whole spectrum of ways that it, it, the holidays in general impact people because maybe there's family stress that's magnified. Maybe there's lack of family that's magnified. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like there's just so many pieces that could be different in every different person's life. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's finding what works for you because you're, 
your nature to retreat versus your nature to socialize or people please like that's all your own work to evaluate and really see what's going to we can't give one prescription that's right for everybody there's no way you know right yeah yeah so i mean that and that falls under the the um the, the umbrella of mindfulness okay and like making a choice right that what direction we want our mind to go you know heading into this season and a lot of times people don't create that intention and it's just like oh i'm depressed Right? Because they didn't make a conscious choice to say, hey, you know what, like historically the past few seasons, like when it, in the wintertime, like I tend to get down and this year I'm going to make that different. And this year I'm going to make it a conscious choice to, to stay in a positive state, right? So I'm going to look at my diet. I'm going to look at my sleep. I'm going to look at my social calendar, right? I'm going to, you know, set up a thing where I can meditate every day or like say, you know, some people call them affirmations, but I talk about positive vibration statements, you know, statements that make you feel good. Right? But having that intention is going to make a much greater impact than just like, you know, it's January or something and people are like, oh, I'm so depressed. Right. 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 Um, but I want to I want to circle back to the food part, um, because this time of year from Halloween, basically through like Valentine's Day, right? It's a sugar party, right? You have Halloween, you have Thanksgiving, you have Christmas, you have New Year's, right? Up there, and, and it's a sugar, 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 sugar. And sugar is a depressant. It will make you have no energy. It will mentally depress you. Mm -hmm. And coming from, hi, my name is Heather. I'm a sugar addict. Like I get hearing those words is really depressing. It's like, oh, but I love my sugar. It's the only thing that keeps me up. Reality is, you know, it's just like, you know, a, a, an addict, you know, a drug addict is like, oh, I need my fix, <laughs> you know? Um, but sugar, getting rid of sugar will greatly impact your ability to be resilient throughout the season. And so- I hear you and I agree. And it's, I don't have such an issue with it. And I also, I personally, like it, if I decide I don't want it, it's not a hard thing for me not to have. Um, I know that that's not the case for a lot of people. So um, given that you have that, you, you know, you have that experience. If someone is more relatable to the previous version of you, mm -hmm. how do they get through this season yeah. and not, overindulge or can they have, I mean, is it like a drug addict where can you go to a party and have a piece of pecan pie and be okay? Or do you need to kind of go all or nothing? I think it depends on the person and what yeah. I recommend. I, when I decided, um, I've shared this story before, but when, when I, when I made massive changes in my life, it was because I was, it was December around Christmas time. I was doing what everybody does, eating a ton of sugar and I got to the point where I laid in bed and I had five different ways that I wanted to kill myself. And I mean, then they were like legit ways. I mean, and I, it just seemed very reasonable to just why not kill myself, right? Because mm -hmm. life just seemed so hopeless. And I'd read in a book somewhere about sugar causing depression. And I thought, I don't want to 
be this to my nieces and nephews. I don't want them to be like, oh, I had this cool aunt, but then she killed herself. Like that was not the legacy that I wanted to leave for them. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to experiment for a week to see how I feel without sugar. Again, this was around Christmas time, right? I loved my fudge and chocolate covered cherries and these candy cane cookies that we used to make. I mean, like I loved, you know, all of it. But at that point, it was life or death for me. And so I didn't have it for a week. And I started to notice, oh, my gosh, I could it was literally like there was fog just like lifting up out of my body. And so and it wasn't like from then on, I didn't have sugar. It was many years of like getting to the point where I am now, where it's like, I don't care. But I would say the first step is one, just don't like let yourself have a couple days without it and notice how it feels. I promise you will survive. Like I am here and I am thriving. You will survive. I like the language you put around that though, of let yourself. So sometimes the framing, because mm-hmm. it's pretty easy for us to sit here and be like, just don't eat sugar for a week. Right. Okay. People like throwing up the middle finger like crazy. Like it's not that simple. Right. So I think even just reframing it to let yourself have a couple of days without it mm-hmm. and see how you feel. And yeah. even just putting that language around it, like, maybe that is like a way to, I don't know, to yeah. make it a, a little gentler, a little mm-hmm. bit of like, and, and also small goals, like two days. How do you feel? Can you go one more day? How do you feel? Can you go one more day? How do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. the next part of it is to, um, to upgrade your choices. And so what that means is like, I, one of my biggest downfalls was Reese's peanut butter cups. And love, I mean, chocolate and peanut butter, like, I don't understand how people cannot like that combination. Right? <laughs> um, and so what I would do is it's get a better version. So now on the market, like there's the brand Justin's peanut butter cups, mm-hmm. so that's sugar, right? But it's not all of the crappy processed sugar that Reese's has. And Trader Joe's has a good version too, I think, although I've not really studied the ingredients list, but they taste healthier. Yeah. Um, and I mean, then you can go down the route of like making your own if you want, you know? And um, so it's always just saying, okay, what's a better version of this? And it's not about like depriving, but it's like, what is a better version? And then say you're at a party and there's like this smorgasbord of desserts, which is, happens in a lot of them, right? What most of us do if we're, if we're sugar addicts is we'll have like one of everything on our plate, right? Um, and what we do with that is we, eat it without even thinking, right? We consume it. The next thing we know, we're like, where did that all go? And I want to extend this invitation out is to when you're eating, when you take a bite to chew it for 50 times. And I know people are like 50 times. How am I supposed to chew stuff for 50 times? Well, that's the whole idea is it slows (laughs) you down, right? To get intentional and notice the, the flavors in your mouth, notice the texture, right? When we do that, we can be slow about it, intentional about it. You'll notice that your body like is not like, oh my gosh, I got to get more. It's like, oh, I'm really just enjoying this. And it feels satiated instead of like, you know, I, I need more and more and more. And this the reason why, like, you know, somebody can eat a, a, a kale salad, for example, right? And I've never heard anybody afterwards be like, oh my gosh, I totally OD'd on a kale salad. <laughs> happen, right? But you can get like a, a in bag of Oreos and eat the whole entire thing and still be hungry and craving something, right? Because it doesn't have nutrients in it. And right. your body is still like, I need more, I need more, I need more. 
But when you take the time to slow down, right, and to chew your food and be intentional about it, your body's going to, okay, I think I got it. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, need to, to get all of it. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, I know, like, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, it's hard, but, you know, stop saying it's hard. Like, <laughs> just stop saying it's hard and just say, you know, I'm learning how to be a new way with food. Right. Exactly. I, I, I always like that. I'm learning this or I'm becoming like, those are, you know, one of your, mm-hmm. your things that you, I think you taught me that, but I, I do think there's a lot of value in that and becoming someone who can live without sugar. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I say, when people are like, they're listening to this and they're like, you don't understand how they're, I'm like, no, listen, like I literally, when I waitress, I would, for anybody who's waitress, they, they know this, like if there's dead desserts, like meaning somebody would order it and then they cancel the order, but the, you know, the kitchen already made it. Like yeah. in the restaurants I worked at, they'd just be like, oh, you guys can have it. And I would be the ones like over the yeah. door. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm like literally blocking everybody else from eating it. And like, I would get in my car and chase after the Mr. Softy truck. Like I love me my sugar. Like I totally get it. So if I can sit here and say, I can't even tell you the last time I had like something with sugar in it. Like if I can change, anybody can change. So I just won't buy it from anybody. And I have to say for me too, the instances of me wanting to kill myself, like having suicidal ideation, right? Mm -hmm. Is so like, if I sat down, I'd have to really think about it. There's like three times off the top of my head in the past 15 years that I can think of. There might be, you know, time or two more than that, but it's always been when I've had sugar and been eating crappy. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And this time of year, especially like I have to be super intentional because I know that once it gets dark, I'm just like, yeah, I know. And I mean, I know I said like, I'm like, oh, I don't really have a problem with it, but I I do notice, um, I mean, there have been times I'll be like, oh, I have one little piece of candy and they're like, oh, I want another one. I want another one. Um, and I guess my, my area where I could maybe relate to that is more like cheese and savory things are a little bit of my kryptonite. Um, So when you eliminate that thing, that is like the difficult thing for you to eliminate, especially when it's food, those are probably one of the more challenging addictions because you still have to eat. Um, but when you take that thing out, it's hard at first, but you lo- you do stop craving it. Like after a while, it's that incessant craving for it does subside, mm-hmm. um, at least in my experience. I think, you know, you, you don't feel the need for it so much. And then you start to recognize how good you feel without it. And then, I mean, for me, I, you know, as we said before, I just went to Spain and that is a bread, meat and cheese country. And, you know, uh, you're in Spain. So, right. You eat like that. I did. I really do notice that that is not the ideal thing for me. I'm much better off without a lot of, um, bread and cheese in particular. I'm not a meat eater anyway. Like I rarely will eat it. Um, so that one, you know, less of an issue, but, uh, you know, cheese is not one that's easy for me to give up once I've brought it back. But then when I just go like, okay, let's, let's cut that out again. I feel a million times better. Um, and the, and the, the longer I go without and then go, you know, go have some and feel like crap, the less appealing it is to even say, oh, well, I'm just going to indulge this once. Cause I'm like, eh. I really want right. to feel like <laughs> even for a day. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what this really a lot of it comes down to is just noticing what's going on for you, like when you have it. Like, mm-hmm. Most of us just go through life uh, like unintentional. It's like I don't know why I felt like this, you know. Like don't even connect our actions to how we feel. 
And like I said, yeah. like with the neighbor it was like, oh, I didn't realize if I ate before I went to bed that I wouldn't feel like this. And because we weren't taught to, to connect to our bodies, you know, at all. Mm-hmm. This time of year gives us a really great opportunity to go in, literally to go in, as you said at the beginning, and to connect with ourselves, right? Say, so what how do I feel? Like if I, you know, binge watch a movie, you know, or multiple movies, like, you know, in a day, like how does, how does that make me feel, right? Versus yeah. if I go for a walk in nature, even though it's cold, like how does that make me feel? Like, and just touch yeah. base with your body to see how it feels. Totally. And that just reminded me back to our idea of, light and dim lights in the evening. Um, The other little trick that I have found that does make a difference for me, and I will admit I have not been very diligent about it lately, um, but particularly when the sun goes down and it's very easy to be like, I'm gonna snuggle up on the couch and watch a couple episodes of my favorite show. Um, The light that you're getting from a screen is also really impacting your hormones, not in a very positive way. Um, So I would say, you know, we're not going to stand here and be like, don't watch TV at night or like act like we're so freaking perfect. But, um, the blue blocker, yeah, the blue blocker glasses make a big difference for me. So I do have, I have some that are like, you know, that I use for the computer when I'm working. And then I have some that like, I'll just wear around the house at night, like all the time. Um, I do need to, I have not done that the last few nights. Um, but in particular, if you're going to watch TV, just, I mean, there, you can get super cheap ones, like 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, they don't have to be fancy, but they will make a difference. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Because it does, again, it disrupts your circadian rhythm mm-hmm. and it makes it harder to go to sleep. People are like, I don't understand why I can't go to sleep. Well, your face has just been on a screen, right? Where it's na- by nature, it wants to be asleep. And I'm I'm guilty of this so much. Like I have a reminder on my phone, I like, get off social media at 10, 15, which I know is even later than it you know could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just because like, you're, it's so easy to be like, Oh, what, what about this? And then next thing you know, you're scrolling and it's the, the latest update for iOS. Um, if you have an iPhone, uh, they have some cool different options now for the focus rather than just do not disturb. There's different sleep timers, focus timers, um, where it will not only, um, turn off your notifications and now it completely turns them off. So like when you, if you even swipe your phone open, everything that came in while you were in do not disturb or sleep mode is kind of like hidden. So you don't even like see them until you tap it, which is nice. Um, But it also will change your screen to be like um, more red. So that light is a little less impactful on your, your sleep hormones and, you know, your brain chemistry. Cause it really, the, the reason the blue light thing is a thing is it really affects your brain chemistry and it's not, it's, it's telling your body it's not time to sleep. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So the last thing that we want to talk about, and this is where we get um, back into like the, the woo, the mystical stuff is, you know, is energy healing. If you go into this time of year with a lot of stuff that you haven't dealt with, a lot of emotions, a lot of trauma, a lot of heartache that you haven't dealt with, right? Because we're now in the winter and in the darkness, things, and in this time of year with all the parties and then people drinking more, eating sugar more, you know, it definitely starts to like bubble up some and people are like, I don't understand why I feel like this, right? And my favorite quote in the whole entire world is until you make the subconscious conscious, it will continue to rule your life and you will call it fate. And that's by Carl Jung. Right? If you have stuff that you haven't dealt with, right, it's kind of like, Oh, I, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. The, the trauma is 
And then we just want to cover it up then with drinking, with, you know, binge watching stuff with, you know, random sex with people, like all these things, you know, to, to not actually be in the feeling of it. And we have to do the work to, to release that stuff so that it doesn't continue the cycle. And I'm going to share a story about a client that I was working with last week that we were going through and she was having this really strong emotion about something. And I don't even remember what it was, but like we just did this exercise where I just had her feel it like, and let her just feel like noticed it, like, did it have a temperature? Did it have any kind of um, color to it? Did it have a voice? What was it saying to her? You know, and as we went through it, you know, she was like, it's interesting. She's like, cause it's, it's almost like it, it's, it's, it says, it says it's ready to be gone now. And she's like, just by paying attention to it, like it was like, it, it, it was done. And that is so true. Like once we give it the attention that it was wanting, it, those emotions and trauma will leave us. We do have to take the space though, to be able to, to be with them and to recognize them and to let them move out of our body. And the easiest way to do that is like, you know, Deb and I both do the body code, which basically identifies and releases trapped emotions and trauma in a very gentle way so that it's not like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. But if you have things in particular that you haven't dealt with, right, let's work on it. <laughs> like, let's right. get it out of your body so that when we get into the deep depths of like a really long, dark day, you're not like feeling it so internally as well. Mm -hmm. like attracts like and we're gonna keep if your body is internally like uh, on this trajectory of sadness and despair it just keeps looking for things that are going to create sadness and despair so we have to move it out of your body so that your body has space to be able to care for yourself in a way that's supportive of you it's the most important work as far as i'm yeah. concerned yeah yeah it, and I, I think you're spot on there where if you notice, we've probably said this a thousand times before, but if you notice you habitually turn to anything that feels like numbing, it's a really big indicator that you've got some deep work that we can help you access and get rid of. Yeah. 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 So one of the things, um, and because Deb, we haven't talked, um, I'm going to share because I am super excited about this. I, um, this is Four, maybe we talked about this in October, but um, in October was four years from when I went out on my own and started working for myself. Right? That's a big deal. It's a yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Um, so I'm super excited about that. So in October, I um, was doing some bonuses, but then I didn't talk about it a ton because I was moving. So I have some bonuses of if you invest in three energy healing sessions, you get a bonus of a money wall clearing. And essentially, a money wall is a wall that you put between you and something else like we talk about having heart walls and heart walls is this wall around your heart that keeps you disconnected from yourself disconnected from others like not having that success that you want and so a money wall is essentially the same thing um, so in, if you invest in three energy healing sessions you get a bonus of money wall clearing which is a 350 dollars value if you invest in 10 energy work sessions then you get a money wall clearing and an abundance wall clearing so what's preventing you from receiving more money from like being living more in abundance. Um, and then if you invest in a heart wall clearing and a heart wall is, as I just mentioned, this thing that just keeps us, especially in this time of year, because we recognize it more like 
that keeps us isolated from ourselves when we feel like we can't connect to ourselves and to others. Um, then you get a money wall clearing, an abundance wall clearing, and a success wall clearing, which is like over a thousand dollars worth of work, you know, right there in and of itself. Um, so Break all your walls down. All <laughs> down, right? Um, yes. So I have that going on. Uh, I'll continue it as of right now. I'll offer it until November. I'll see how I feel if I want to keep offering it. We'll see. Um, but it's been fun working with people on those and, and getting, you know, releasing those so that they can go into this time of year in a holiday mood instead of like a, I know I said I'm about humbug when it comes to this stuff. I mean, I'm, I just don't like the disruption in schedule. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I should put together, I have, I, I have it on my website, but, um, I think I told you too, I started doing custom meditations with the crystal bowls and just creating them specific for each person. Um, and that's actually, I didn't even like, I've been thinking about it and I need to actually do it. And I'll just say it out loud here so that I have to do it. Um, I wanted to create, uh, like a, you know, holiday time, like getting, you kind of just sees, you can create an, a meditation of your own to get you through the, the holiday season. Right. So it would, it would accompany energy work and it's, it kind of puts together your custom statements of like, where are the pieces where you're trying to align yourself? And then it's just, you know, they're all custom by, by individual. So if anybody is interested, I, we actually would have to chat um, right. and see exactly what you are needing. And it would usually require a little bit of energy work at first so that we can, yeah, there's my um, Instagram, but um, just so that we can identify where that need is for you. And then I can create, you know, 10, 15, 20, it's up to you, whatever time frame works for you for a meditation that you could do as a daily practice. Um, but I have been finding them to be super, super helpful. The people that I've created them for are loving them. Mm -hmm. So that's my, my new most exciting offering to me. Um, but I think that could be super helpful for people that are just feeling holiday stress or you can gift them. <laughs> Good idea. Yep. All right. There's Deb's info. Here's mine. You're, you're seeing this on my page, and you can reach out to me. Um, I'll put Deb's back up there. Um, but you know, we'd love to help you because we know that this time of year is really hard and challenging. And I'm not gonna act like you know, I you know, totally have it. There are some days where I'm like, <laughs> um, but at what I we're both human, and I think this is what makes us good at what we do is we're not. And sometimes I think we sound a little preachy and we make it sound so simple. We've both been there. We've both struggled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not like we, I mean, we're both in our, I'm going to still say mid forties. Um, <laughs> so life experience is how we got here. Right. So this right. is how we know that we can help. Yeah, yeah, so we'd love to help you. So let us know if you're watching this in replay, let us know any tips that are that were helpful for you, anything that you learned that you didn't know. And we will see you next week.